Hello, sports fans, and welcome to Let Me Speak, the show that shares sports' biggest headlines explained, uninterrupted, and maybe a little audacious. I'm Joe Braverman, and today's topics we'll be discussing are trying to find the Super Bowl favorite in the NFL and making picks for Week 12. Plus, one month into the NBA season, the top teams that can keep up their pace. And... Ahead of Thanksgiving, the things we're thankful for. It's episode 49 of Let Me Speak, and it starts right now. Everybody here on Wednesday, November 24th, 2021, the 49th and a special edition of Let Me Speak. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. If you're watching us on YouTube, listening to us, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. This is a special episode. We're recording on a Wednesday instead of a Thursday. Obviously, with Thanksgiving coming up is when the episode will be released It's a very, very special time. I just want to say I'm thankful for everyone listening and watching to this podcast who supported me for now over a year as I've been trying to make a name in the sports broadcasting world. I appreciate all of you for your support. But the show rolls on as it normally does as we start in the NFL. And let me tell you, there is a ton of parody. I mean it, a ton of parody in the NFL. Because after week 11, you now have 22 teams, 22 of the 32 teams in the National Football League have at least five wins on the year. The only ones who have five and are below 500 are the Eagles and the Panthers. Now, if you ask me personally, most of these teams, I would say, are worthy of the playoffs, are worthy, very worthy of the playoffs. And you kind of have to look at it team by team. And that's really what I wanted to focus on this week is just figuring out if there's really a true Super Bowl favorite right now to look at right now. And just going at it from where the standings look right now. In the AFC, the Titans are still number one. But Tennessee just has too many flaws, I think. They showed their flaws during their loss to Houston last week. I mean, you've got Ryan Tannehill, who now is carrying the bulk on offense, throwing four interceptions, okay? And three of them were in the fourth quarter. I mean, this is not, you know, these aren't the 85 Bears. This isn't the Legion of Boom. These are the Houston Texans, and you're throwing four interceptions to them and three in one quarter? I mean, that's that's problem number one. Problem number two is Derrick Henry. The fact that we're now learning just how loss of, Derrick Henry was we didn't see it during that first game against the Rams because honestly for LA it was hard to game plan what Tennessee was going to do and then you have Adrian Peterson he's released Deontay Foreman bounced around the league Jerry McNichols is hurt uh Hilliard I think was the other guy who had a good game last week I mean now the pressure is on Ryan Tannehill as I just mentioned I mean They had 420 yards of offense, but only 103 of them were on the ground. So we're learning that if Tannehill does not make mistakes, 
then this team is good. This team is really good because the defense wasn't terrible. They only allowed 190 yards of offense to Houston. And then you see, um, you just see Tennessee making all these mistakes. You know, that's the only way they lose is that they shoot themselves in the foot. Now, can they still get into the playoffs? Yes, but I don't know how effective they're going to be if they don't find a run game. If they don't have a run game and don't find anyone to keep up the slack, you know, even if Derrick Henry does come back in time for the playoffs, you don't know how effective he's going to be on that foot. You know, they're saying they're talking about a January return. I think you hold him out until the playoffs. You got to make sure you get into the playoffs. And obviously this week against New England is going to be huge. Obviously a couple more divisional matchups, but Tennessee needs to not shoot themselves in the foot. That's all they got to do is not shoot themselves in the foot, especially Ryan Tannehill. And in a similar situation is the Buffalo Bills. I mean, they were number two in the AFC, and now they're all the way to seventh after losing to Indy 41-15. Now, it was a bad performance for the Bills. And we're learning now that when Josh Allen isn't on his game, the rush attack has to bail him out. That's the only way they win. I mean, Allen was not great at all. 21 of 35, 209 yards, two touchdowns, and two picks. Okay? But you also got to keep in mind, 13 rushing attempts, okay, compared to 35 pass attempts, okay? And how many yards did they get on the ground? 91. 91, okay? So they need a run game. They need a run game to be contenders because the defense, obviously, they couldn't stop the Colts' run game, but they're they're a fine defense. I I like their secondary. I like their D-line. I like uh, Tredavis White as their number one corner. But this is all about helping Josh Allen, okay? Josh Allen can't do this all by himself. So Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, Matt Breida, someone's got to bail Josh Allen out. Someone's got to bail him out. But speaking of the Colts, I mean, they're becoming such a dark horse in the AFC. I know they're ninth right now, and they're sitting with the record of six and five, but they can make some noise if they continue to win, okay? They can make some noise if they get into the playoffs. Because Jonathan Taylor, after his five-touchdown game, has now entered the realm of Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, just running backs that you fear. Running backs that you fear. Because he's now leading the league in rush yards and touchdowns. Okay? And not only that, but when you have Carson Wentz on his two feet and not dealing with a bunch of injuries, when you have an indie defense that's finally coming around after an 0-3 start, You also have the best turnover differential in the NFL. I mean, you've only given away the ball 10 times, 10 times in 11 games. That's very impressive. And having that plus 15 differential is huge. So I think Indy can make some noise, but they just got to keep winning games. They got to keep winning games. Uh, At number two in the AFC is the Ravens. The Ravens have to be fully healthy. And I feel like they have to be the Super Bowl favorite because The fact that they're winning games without Lamar Jackson, okay? They won in Chicago. I know it was really close. I know it was close between those two. But the fact is, when you're salvaging games like this, that's why it's similar to Arizona in the NFC. When your backups are winning games and keeping your status alive, that's where I think the good teams separate themselves from the great teams. Is because Baltimore, without the best player in football, maybe the MVP in Lamar Jackson, they're still winning these games. That's why I think at this moment, at this moment, Baltimore is the favorite. I know people want to talk about Kansas City proving their doubters wrong. 
I just still don't know because even last Sunday when they beat the Cowboys, Dallas didn't have Amari Cooper. They didn't have CeeDee Lamb. Their defense is getting better, though. I'll give them credit for that because Chris Jones and Frank Clark on the D-line were great at getting to Dak Prescott. But offensively, they only scored 19 points against Dallas. So that's why the jury is still out in there. Cincinnati, LA, uh, the Chargers, they're just too young. I think the Steelers kind of had a, a bad start, and that's what put them behind the eight ball. And then I don't trust the, the Browns and the Raiders. So from the AFC side of things at this moment, I think the Ravens are the favorite in the AFC. I think they're the favorites in the AFC. But moving over to the NFC, I think, you know, just looking at it right now, I think the Cardinals have to be the favorites, you know, because just just look at it team by team. Look at all the teams that have five wins, okay? Outside of Arizona, you have the Green Bay Packers. Packers losing to the Vikings. When you have Aaron Rodgers at the quarterback position, if he doesn't have Aaron Jones, this team is not good. You'd have to think with Aaron Jones in that lineup. And I no disrespect to A.J. Dillon because he's a great back. But Aaron Jones is a top 15 running back in this league. He's a difference maker. And Aaron Rodgers does not have to throw the ball as much as he has to. That's, that's what keeps me from saying Green Bay. That's what keeps me from saying Green Bay. It's just these kind of games where you're dropping them to Minnesota. It's those kind of things that sort of make me scratch my head. Similar to Tampa Bay. You know, they have games against... Washington or New Orleans, where they just don't look like themselves. And obviously they're going to get healthier. You know, we're seeing how much of a difference Rob Gronkowski back in the lineup makes. Once Antonio Brown comes in, we don't know how he's going to be defensively. Are they going to have a healthy secondary when they have to face guys like DeAndre Hopkins, like Devontae Adams, Amari Cooper, Cooper Cup, all those guys will defensively Tampa Bay be able to keep up. And that's similar to Dallas. Dallas has to get healthy and use the offense around it. Dak Prescott looked awful, absolutely awful. And I'm not just saying it because he's my fantasy quarterback and he didn't even register one point. He didn't even register one point. Okay. He was picked off multiple times. And, you know, it was just, again, it was a, it was a short time to adjust without Amari Cooper, but a healthy Dallas team, I think can be contenders, but the problem is they're just very, very inconsistent. You know, that's where I sort of hold, hold it on because Dallas in, in years past, they can't do it in December. They can't do it in January. Once they start doing it in those two months, then talk to me about them being contenders, you know, on paper, they're maybe the second or third best team in the league, but it's the Dallas Cowboys. You got to remember it's the Dallas freaking Cowboys, but that's similar to the LA Rams is this is the LA Rams. And Matthew Stafford is showing his Detroit side of things, okay? They did get a bye week this past week, so maybe they've righted the ship on a few things where they get to go against Green Bay. If they win this game, I think they get back into contender status. But defensively, as I said last week, with all the weapons they have, Von Miller, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, you know, and then offensively, how do they incorporate Odell Beckham? Can Cooper Cup continue to be a difference-making wideout? Can Matthew Stafford not throw interceptions, okay? And not only that, but similar to Buffalo, they got to get a run game going. They got to get Daryl Henderson and Sony Michelle plenty of carries to bail Matt Stafford out. But Dalvin Cook for Minnesota can bail out Kirk Cousins. That's why Minnesota, I think, is the dark horse of the NFC because they have the talent. They have the talent offensively to hang with any team. We saw it last week against Green Bay. I think it's, again, Kirk Cousins, 
consistency, consistency, consistency for that guy. We haven't been able to see it for multiple weeks, but this was a team I thought could challenge Green Bay in the NFC North. They're not going to challenge him for the North, but they can at least get into the playoffs if they want to, if they want to. And the Saints, I just think they have too many, too many injury problems. I don't know if Trevor Simeon is really the guy. Plus, Alvin Kamara has been out for multiple weeks. I think he's going to miss uh, the Thursday game uh, on Thanksgiving. And I just think, I think New Orleans, they're just dealing with too many injuries. But who could take their place is San Francisco. San Francisco, I think, is a good team. I think is a good team when they're healthy, okay? Jimmy G's on his two feet. George Kittle is back. Elijah Mitchell doesn't even look like the run game has lost a step. And plus, this is a feared defensive line, a very feared defensive line with Nick Bosa leading the charge. So that's why San Francisco, I think, can make some noise. And I think they're going to leapfrog the Saints and get themselves into the playoffs. And meanwhile, for the Eagles and the Panthers, I just think, you know, there's there's still Carolina's got the talent, but I don't know if they just have the consistency, obviously losing last week to Washington. Who knows if Cam Newton maybe gives them an energy boost or whatever. And then similar to the Eagles, kind of a young team. Jalen Hurts, again, in this kind of spotlight sort of thing, they're still a very young team. Not quite as talented as teams ahead of them, but I think they can be contenders probably next year, those two, the Eagles and the Panthers. But who knows? Things could all change after week 12, which is a great segment. Great segue, I should say into our Pick'em segment where the theme is all about family. So kind of sounded like Vin Diesel there. So ladies and gentlemen, I throw it to a segment recorded earlier in the day with a very special guest. This is NFL Week 12 edition of Pick'em. Now, because this is our Thanksgiving edition, we thought we'd bring out some family for our pick'em segment this week for NFL Week 12, a good friend of the show, not just friend, but family. Patrick Sullivan returns to Let Me Speak. Pat, thanks for taking the time out of your day for uh, recording this right before the holidays. Joey, thanks for having me, and I did get a good chuckle out of that, a good friend of the show. I'd I'd like to think I'm your brother-in-law first, but hey, (laughs) here we are. I mean, you're you're family to me, but maybe friends to the show or anywhere else. So uh, the last time you were on was a couple of weeks before uh, the big wedding when you married my sister, Julie. And uh, just a quick question, how is the married life so far? Married life's great, obviously. Um, I've very cautious on how I say everything, but you know, not much has changed. Um, but yeah, no, obviously it, it was a long process. We had to reschedule our wedding, um, due to COVID. And, you know, I know a lot of people experience disruptions to their life. So obviously ours were a lot more minor than what normal people would be going through, but Hey, at the end of the day, we were just obviously happy to get married and happy to have everyone there celebrating our big day. And, you know, July 4th, a lot of fireworks. We had a good time. And I can tell you personally, it was a lot of fun and definitely worth it. I was very happy on that day. So we brought you on to make some picks. Are you ready to go through the slate of NFL games? Let me just remind you what you're shooting for. Our very first pick guest, Johnny Mansarita, still holds the top spot at 13-3. and three. So let's see, Pat, if you are able to top it. You ready to make some picks? Let's pick them. All right. And we'll start, obviously, with the Thanksgiving slate. You can't have... Thanksgiving in football without the Detroit Lions, unfortunately. 
They get the Chicago Bears at three and seven. We know that Andy Dalton will start for Justin Fields, obviously out with the ribs injury. And there's still questions about Detroit if it's going to be Jared Goff or Tim Boyle. We'll have to see what happens there. But Lions still looking for their first win, Pat. Can they get it against Andy Dalton and the Chicago Bears? This is a tough game. Uh, obviously, it's a Rust Belt, like classic Thanksgiving Day matchup. And um, for me, like I always remember watching the Lions early in the day before we sit down and whether it was watching Joey Harrington, all these different Lions quarterbacks. But, you know, what's the most popular thing about the Lions was I remember them wearing those brown paper bags when the t- team and I don't know if they still do, because obviously they're kind of what, 08 and one or 09 and one. This is a tough game. Um, you know, I would have liked to see uh, Fields play, um, but, you know, with Stafford being out, Jared Goff is in. I actually would be leaning. What is the line right now, Joe? Uh, the line looks like it is three, about three to Chicago. Okay. I would take the Detroit Lions. It's, oh. You're at Detroit. I think they're fighting for their first win. Um, you know, I think, yeah, I, I would definitely go lions on that. I think, yeah, I know that doesn't think, sound convincing because you're picking between the bears and the lions, but pick your favorite animal. I'll go with the lions. Yeah. I I'm with you there. I always remember, uh, watching the lions, the very first game, it's always a tradition to have the lions on there. I think what helps out Detroit, not only being at home, but the fact that it's Andy Dalton instead of Justin Fields, I think defensively. Detroit just has a really hard time stopping uh, offense. They did a little bit with Cleveland last week, but, you know, I would say Detroit as well, but I just think Chicago, I think the experience of Andy Dalton, you know, Andy Dalton's kind of one of those backups that you want to have, you know, you don't want him starting week after week, but if you want him to take over for a game or two, that's the kind of guy you want to go in. So unfortunately I think the lions still remain winless you know, like they did in 2008 when they went 0-16 and, and had those brown paper bags. So I think it'll go to 0-10-1 for Detroit. I'll pick Chicago on that one. Yeah, I hope it's a slow game. Um, you know, I don't think the Lions have an explosive passing offense, but, you know, hopefully DeAndre Swift can have one of those ground-and-pound games. And, you know, it'd be interesting because I think it's going to be key to see if they're actually playing for Matt Nagy and, and that whole thing and, you know, where that fits. But, yeah, this is a... Rust Belt game, um, I would say this would be an appetizer to the two other games. Closest right. thing you'll get to the USFL. <laughs> well, of course, the appetizer is the next traditional game, and that's the Dallas Cowboys, always having a home game on Thanksgiving. They host the Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders at 5-5. Five and five. Cowboys coming off a tough loss to the Kansas City Chiefs, 19-9. They will not have Amari Cooper. We're still waiting word about CeeDee Lamb if he'll clear concussion, concussion. protocols. If he'll clear the protocols by that time, but until then, what do you think between the Raiders and the Cowboys? Does Dallas bounce back? Yeah, the line is what? Do you have seven? Are we picking lines? Or are we picking straight up? Just outright win. Oh, outright win. <laughs> yeah, just I, just pick the I win. We we're picking spread. That's why no, I went just... Detroit on the last one, but I'm sticking with it. Um, give me. I don't know. I think the Cowboys have a very good offensive line. Um, the Raiders kind of struggled. You know, they kind of came out firing right out of the gate. Um, you know what? I'm going to go a double underdog. I'm going to go with the Raiders. Give me the Raiders. I think yeah, Derek I, Carr is due for a, uh, 
a big game. I think there's a lot of pressure on that franchise just with everything they went with, with, you know, um, Henry Ruggs, the recent incident, and then obviously with John Gruden. So I think teams in disarray, but you know, the, the locker room's still locker room. And I, I feel like the guy, this could be like a trap game for the Cowboys. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Yeah. I think, I think it'll be I interesting the, also. Yeah. Also, you know, you got to also remember Tyron Smith, one of the best offensive linemen maybe in the entire league. We still don't know if he'll be active or not, but that was really the big difference. I think uh, in that Kansas city game last week was that they didn't have Smith for the majority of that game. Um, also the defense for Dallas just plays great. Micah Parsons already a front runner for defensive rookie of the year. And, you know, despite not having the weapons, I know they got Zeke Elliott in the backfield. I think Prescott and that Cowboys offense, Against this kind of Raiders team, like you're saying, I think the organization's just in flux. I'll keep saying it week after week after week. And they're still fighting for a playoff spot. I think it's going to be close, probably a one-possession score uh, between the two. But I think the Cowboys at home, especially when they're on this kind of national stage, I don't think they should fumble this opportunity and pick up the victory. Yeah, and if, if the Raiders win, I think it would be, you know, they'd have to rely heavily on Darren Waller. I, you know, he's unbelievable. I think he's very underrated, too. You hear about, you know, prominent names, and, you know, he's kind of, let's call him, like, hidden being out in Las Vegas. You know, doesn't get the attention. And even, like, a Hunter Renfro as a supporting piece is pretty good. So I think if Derek Carr wants to make a statement and get the win, he's going to have to rely heavily on them and then obviously stop Elliott and uh, Tony Pollard. Exactly. It, it's going to be de- the defense who plays better is going to win this game. As then we move to the nightcap between the Bills and the Saints. Buffalo six and four, now second in the AFC East after dropping. And I don't mean drop, but I mean, they got blown out by the Colts last week. And then here come the Saints dropping a game to the Eagles at five and five. We're still it's sounding like Alvin Kamara is not going to play for a third straight game. What can the Bills do against the Saints? Can they get back on track? in new Orleans. Yeah. I think if you look at this game, this seems like a no brainer, right? This just says, Hey, bills, you know, are going to win outright, especially with the saints, you know, not being the saints you always have, right. There's no Drew Brees. There's no um, Michael Thomas, right. You're talking about uh, almost like a piecemeal team, but they're still playing in new Orleans. I will say that. And I think the, the saints, they play different at home. Um, I feel like they, in that dome, usually come out and play with anyone i think buffalo just kind of tipped their hat to the afc that it's a lot more wide open right i think it was kind of assumed that um, josh allen and and Diggs would be running the uh, afc for the next five to seven years but there's a lot of other teams um and new england that are kind of right on their heels and then even you know the emergence of kansas city get getting back on the right track so i would say you know with I'm going to have to lean. I'd love to see the Saints win because I'd love to see. I think the Bills are obviously going to come out firing after that loss. Um, but, you know, give me New Orleans at home. Give me a who dat. It's, it's almost like one of those like 50-50 games where whatever result happens wouldn't really surprise you. I mean, obviously Buffalo was the better team because they have so many more weapons. The Saints dealing with Trevor Simeon at their quarterback position. Obviously, as you said, all the pieces that they're missing – but Buffalo, I the only way they lose these games is if they shoot themselves in the foot. And that's exactly what they've been doing. Obviously, last week against the Colts, I mean, no one could stop Jonathan Taylor, even if you put a brick wall in front of him. So, you know, that's not really all Buffalo's fault. But just offensively, we're learning that if Josh Allen has a bad game, then 
they're pretty much done. So Josh Allen needs to have a good game. It's going to be tough against this Saints team. The, this defense is very underrated, a very underrated defense, especially in the secondary with Malcolm Jenkins and Marshawn Lattimore. I'm going to ride with you, and I think the Saints at home are going to win this one. I think it's a, a nice lock pick because you're so unsure about Buffalo, as you said, that AFC is just so wide open. So I'll agree with you, and I'll take the Saints. Yeah, and let's look at it this way. All three games, right? So I, I think a common thread here is, is because you're playing on Thursday and Thanksgiving, everyone's on a short week, right? So with the short week, I would give the edge to the defenses and, you know, with, you know, some of what's going on. And I think three underdogs, I picked three underdogs. However, you know, two out of three aren't traveling. So when you throw in that day of travel on a short week, on a holiday, you know, things are in motion. Um, I think defenses kind of have a little bit of an edge um, playing on a short week. So, yeah, I would, uh, I think it's going to be a good game though. I, I, I am looking forward to that bill saints game. Cause I think it actually has the you know, potential to be the most competitive game out of the three. Um, but I will say the slate this year is really tough because I think you've come across a few teams that whether it's been, you know, people on the COVID list, you've had a lot of injuries and whatnot. So these prominent teams, which I'm sure they schedule out well in advance, you know, they're not having the Michael Thomases and, and the CD Lambs and Amari Coopers that kind of bring the big buzz to the game. And, you know, having that Rust Belt game at the beginning was it's a little tough, especially between Detroit and Chicago. So. Well, the good thing is, is that's a, that's like a noon start. So it's not going to be like the most watched game. I don't think that's so true. We'll see. We'll see what happens on Thanksgiving as now we go to the Sunday slate of games and a really nice matchup kicks us off in the AFC North between the Steelers and the Bengals. Bengals getting back on track with a victory over the Raiders last week. Pittsburgh five, four and one still maintaining their spot fighting for the playoffs. That AFC North Pat is so tight that it's almost hard on a weekly basis to pick who's the favorites out of that division. But in this game between Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, who you got? Yeah, I think Joe Burrow has really emerged with Jamar Chase. I think that, you know, bringing uh, Chase, drafting him was smart because, again, they were in rhythm right off the get-go. Um, you go into Cincinnati, I would say, you know, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers have kind of made a turn. Uh, is Roethlisberger a go for that game? Uh, yes, he's he, still in COVID protocol. He is. All he, right. he is cleared. He did play last week. I think Mike Tomlin's a great coach. Um, give me the Steelers. All right. Yeah, I think part of part of what helps that matchup in that pick is that Cincinnati's still young. You know, this is only Joe Burrow's second year, and it's Jamar Chase's first year in the league. So maybe not this year is Cincinnati's time, but possibly in the, the years ahead. That AFC North for the future is going to look amazing between those four teams. I do agree with you that Pittsburgh, I think, with the experience that they have, plus defensively, I don't know if Cincinnati can stop Najee Harris. If he has a good game, then I see Pittsburgh kind of rolling over this one. But again, one of those uh, games where it could be really either, either result wouldn't surprise you as much. But for this game, I'm going to take Pittsburgh to win this one. As now we move on to Tampa Bay and Indianapolis, probably I think is going to be one of the more competitive games. Tampa at seven and three coming off a Monday night win against uh, the New York Giants, the Colts with a drubbing of the Buffalo Bills. Does Jonathan Taylor get five touchdowns again? Probably not. But what does he do against Tampa Bay at the horseshoe? Probably not as a safe bet. Uh, I, I Obviously, I think Tampa's the play here. 
However, I think this game's going to be really competitive. And I think obviously it speaks more on volume of where the Colts stand as a six and five team. Obviously they had that huge win, um, five touchdowns for Jonathan Taylor, but he'll be going against very, uh, strong defensive front of you know Tampa Bay right and the Sioux there's some Jason Pierre Paul so there's some monsters on there so I think Brady will tear it up he loves playing at Indy I think he's had Indy's number since Peyton Manning was there so uh give me Tampa I think what's interesting about Indianapolis is they're kind of like this sneaky team that they're good but no one's paying attention to them because they started so bad remember they started 0 and 3 but again, I think Tampa just found their groove. I think after that sort of three-week slate where they dropped two games uh, before and after their bye week, they kind of looked at them, themselves in the mirror saying, we're better than this. And obviously, we saw the return of Rob Gronkowski on Monday night, how much of a factor that played in. And then obviously, you have Godwin, Evans, Fournette, Ronald Antonio Jones. Brown coming back. Yeah, we're still... He doesn't fake any other COVID thing. <laughs> well, he'll have natural immunity. He'll have natural immunity now after testing positive. Um, I agree with you. I think Tampa is just, they're just too much for Indianapolis. I think it's going to be close, maybe a little bit low scoring, you know, maybe first team to 20 will win that game, but I think Tampa will win that game um, because, you know, it's Tom Brady. As you said, Tom Brady in the horseshoe, very rarely has he lost in that. I think he's only lost like two or three times. Hats off to the Colts though. I mean, they had that turnaround from everything that happened with Andrew Luck retiring. I think what the, they brought in um, Philip Rivers. What's his name? Philip Rivers for a little bit, but you know, getting Carson Wentz and kind of finding somebody that could plug and play, and he's done a pretty good job turning that around. And they've had some marquee wins, so I think it'll be a good game. But yeah, Tampa is my pick. Yeah, you'll hear it in the segment before, but I think Indy can make some noise in the playoffs if they make it that far. But then we move on to Carolina and Miami. The return of Cam Newton was unfortunately a loss last week. Five and six now the Panthers against the Dolphins, who are four and seven. Surprisingly, Pat, after winning the first game in Gillette Stadium, the Dolphins lose seven straight and now have won three straight. So I don't know what to make of this Dolphins team. Can they get past the Carolina Panthers and what looks like the resurgence of Cam Newton? I would say resurgence, but I think you're limited to Cam Newton. I think he does bring a certain energy, and I think that crowd base kind of rallied behind him. However, on the opposite side of the ball, I think Tua is starting to play a little bit better, and I think that Dolphins team is starting to rally. So, I, you know, give me the Dolphins in Florida. I think, you know, obviously Cam's not a great passer. I think he brings certain things. McCaffrey's really difficult to cover. However, you know, I'm going to give uh, the edge to the Dolphins here. I think that is a, a nice safe pick because, as you said, uh, Miami is playing so much better. You looked at that game Thursday night against Baltimore. They looked really good. I think for Carolina, though, they're still fighting for that playoff spot. I mean, this is probably maybe since the Super Bowl year for Carolina, probably the best set of weapons they've had on both sides of the field when you have Christian McCaffrey in the backfield, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, and then defensively you have Burns, Hassan Reddick. I think this Carolina team, they're still in their minds. They're saying that we're still eligible for the playoffs. So I think they come out guns blazing and they pulled an upset in South Florida. I think they win against wow. the Miami Dolphins because this this is a Cam Newton. Cam Newton just he just feels more comfortable in Carolina. I think that's the the biggest factor is under head coach Matt Rule, he just feels a lot more comfortable than he was in New England just because of the situation, the feels. I think Carolina wins this game against the Miami Dolphins. 
And at five and six, they're going to have to start winning some games if they want to, you know, obviously make some noise postseason because, you know, just looking ahead on their schedule, they still have the Bucks twice and, you know, a pretty competitive Bills team. So, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to have to start getting some wins left and right if they want to start um, being eligible for postseason play. Yeah, we'll see what they can do in the future. But then we go to maybe the game of the week between the Titans and the Pats. Tennessee eight and three, losing to Houston last week and maybe the biggest upset of the season and meanwhile the patriots are back where they're familiar at the top of the afc east at seven and four mac jones leading the way what do you see between the titans and the pats can the patriots make it six straight wins yeah so i'm looking right now and the patriots are six and a half close to a seven point favorite i think that line is way off i would say they may be a three point favorite maybe three and a half if you're pushing it so at the end of the day, Tennessee's still a hungry, run-heavy team. You know, I, I still think they have some players. They're very well coached. So, you know, this game has a lot more to it. Um, this is the game that Tennessee came into New England and beat the doors off of the Patriots. And, you know. They sent Tom it, Brady to Tampa Bay, essentially. Yeah, was it at Tennessee or was it at New England? It was I'm at sure, New England. It, it was at New England. They sent, yep, Tom Brady to Tampa Bay, Tampa Bray. Um, so I, w- I think the Patriots are going to win. Um, but I think this is going to be a very competitive and close game. So I think the spread and you know, I think it's just going to be maybe a one score game at the end. And I think that would be a three point play. Close is so the give key. me yeah. the pats. Yeah. Close is the key word between these two, because essentially, you know, with Tennessee, the, the way they succeed is through the run. And now they don't have a run, you know, losing Derrick Henry is a lot more valuable now that we're, we're realizing. And now AJ Brown is banged up. Julio Jones is still on IR. I think defensively, this team is still good for Tennessee. But New England, man, the way that defense has performed during their five-game winning streak. I mean, I know it's against teams like the Jets and the Browns and the Falcons, but they're just a turnover machine. They know how to shut you down. So it's hard to yeah, go they against. Get a good defensive secondary, right? I think they're ball hawking, right? I think whether the schemes they're directing, and then, of course, Mac Jones is – managing that offense you know i think the tight ends are getting more involved which kind of opens up you know the wide receivers a little bit but i would say though don't sleep on the titans because yeah they lost to houston and it was kind of a a spanking but you going back some of their other wins in the last five games i mean la rams indy kansas city right so these are top quality teams so i think the tennessee new england game is probably the best game of the week Yeah, it's definitely a close game, and I'll agree with you that I'll ride for the New England Patriots to get six straight wins. But now from the AFC East to the NFC East between the Eagles and the Giants, Philly at five and six, now on the door of the playoffs if they can continue to win these games. Meanwhile, the New York Giants, what a mess they've become yet again, firing Jason Garrett as their offensive coordinator, sitting at three and seven. What do you think between the Eagles and the Giants? Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. I mean, if you look at the Giants, they've had some close games too. Um, But at the end of the day, I just think the Eagles are a better suited team. The Giants are still in that rebuilding mode and they can't seem to get out of their own way. So um, give me the Eagles here. I'm not comfortable with the pick, you know, but I would say just Eagles. This is a Philly team. You got to be careful for them. They're sneaking up there. Jalen Hurts is becoming a top 15 quarterback with the way he can run the way he can throw. I think they're still a little bit too young, which is why I'm not really confident in them making the playoffs, 
But I think for this game, just the Giants are in total disarray. You know, it could be years until we see them back in contention. I think for this week, you know, I'm going to ride with you that Philadelphia is probably a safe pick. And who knows, this could maybe turn into a blowout, which I'm getting the feeling that Philly is going to find a way to basically humiliate their NFC East rival at home in the division game though it may be yeah maybe tighter than what we expect but yeah it'll be interesting I think it'll be a big indication on where Philadelphia's season goes if they basically win or if it's tight you know so again Dallas is a lead dog so we'll see if Philly wants to jump in on that race yeah they're just gonna have to keep winning and winning as now we go to the Falcons and the Jaguars probably the game that the least amount of people are gonna watch uh maybe this one next to the, the next game we'll talk about. Atlanta four and six. They've had plenty of time to prepare for Jacksonville. Jacksonville two and eight. These are two teams that are struggling, Pat. I don't know how where to find a silver lining in this game, but between the Falcons and the Jags, who you got? You know what? I think I don't know. I think Jacksonville has trouble scoring points. And I think Trevor Lawrence is out there, you know, but I look at Atlanta. I think they've had some competitive games, but I I mean, both tough teams to watch. Calvin Ridley is out. You know what? Give me Jacksonville at home. That's a nice little upset right there. I'm honestly kind of leaning that way just because Atlanta, I mean, they're just a mess. I mean, look at what happened last Thursday night against the Pats. They had three different quarterbacks and they threw four interceptions, you know, Josh Rosen, I think like third pass of the game, pick six. Then um, Felipe Franks comes in, first pass is picked off. So it's a total mess right now in Atlanta. Josh Rosen. Yeah. Pick. Not surprising he got there. got picked off at the end, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I, I think Atlanta should bounce back. I think just Jacksonville is just, they're not there yet. They're not there yet. I like the energy that the Jaguars have, but I just don't think they'll be able to match Atlanta for whatever. So you got the dirty bird Falcons, dirty bird Falcons. Falcons. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That'll be my pick right there. As then probably the least watched game of the week will be the two and eight jets and the two and eight Texans. Although Houston big win against uh, Tennessee last week. See if they can ride that momentum at home against the jets. We now know at the jets, it'll be Zach Wilson returning to the quarterback situation. Mike White tested positive. Joe Flacco's at close contact. So it's going to have to be either Zach Wilson or Josh Johnson, who they promoted from the practice squad. What do you think between the Jets and the Texans? Yeah, so Flacco's out. uh, Mike White's out. And the New York Jets aren't with Michael Carter, the rookie running back. He's been having a pretty good season. Uh, However, I mean, give me the Jets here, I guess. Um, I'm looking at Tech. Texans, yeah, they're coming off a big win. However, Davis Mills, I, I, you know, I just can't get. Actually, you know what? I'm flipping my pick. I'm looking Ooh. at it like, you know, the Jets are the Jets. Give me Houston because I still think that from a receiving standpoint, Cooks is having a very good season for Houston, you know, kind of underrated. And, you know, they may have pulled around that locker room. However, Wilson coming off of injury, no other quarterbacks, you know, you know, I think their deep threat of Corey Davis hasn't really panned out the way that they thought he would, but yeah, give me Houston. That's a nice pick, you know, with Tyrod Taylor leading the way last week against Tennessee. He just had that energy. I mean, offensively, they're still challenged. Defensively, they're still challenged, but this is the Jets we're talking about. And I think the home field advantage is the difference maker for Houston. So 
again, Jets injuries and just being an all out mess as they usually are should make it an easy pick to pick the Texans. They'll get themselves at three and eight. As then we go to the four o'clock slate of games, nice matchup in the AFC West chargers and Broncos chargers at six and four Denver five and five. Both teams are really fighting for a playoff spot right now. They're looking up at Kansas city in the AFC West, but as we've said, the AFC is so wide open that these two teams could be in the wild card mix. So this feels like a must win for both games, but between LA and Denver, who wins? I think Justin Herbert is very good. I, yeah, I would have to lean heavily on the chargers here. I think, you know, the way that they're playing and I know they had that kind of, um, you know, tough loss against Baltimore, New England, and then, you know, the, the close one against Minnesota, but you know, they did just beat Pittsburgh, who's a very competitive team. But the Broncos itself, I mean, if you look at them, I, I think they've played four or five teams the last four or five weeks that really haven't been great outside of Dallas. So they've had a few wins there, but I just think the Chargers take this one. Yeah, I think the, the game against the Steelers kind of like gave them back that confidence that we can be like this big team. And I think, as you said, Justin Herbert getting to that elite status, Austin Eckler in the backfield. I think this is going to be one though, on the defensive end for the Chargers. I think Derwin James is probably going to have to really be a big disruptor in that Chargers secondary against this Broncos team because, you know, Denver during their bye week, locking up a few of their uh, wideout options with Tim Patrick and Corlin Sutton getting extensions. So we'll have to see if there's any confidence there. Uh, I agree with you, though, that the Chargers should win this game because I think their playoff hopes are a lot more higher than the Broncos hopes right now. So I'll take the Chargers to go with that one. As then we go to maybe the game of the week, possibly. I know we talked about Tennessee, New England, maybe being the game of the week, but how about the seven and three Rams at the eight and three Packers? Rams at seven and three coming off their bye week. Meanwhile, Green Bay, a heartbreaking loss to the Minnesota Vikings, losing on a field goal at the end, 34 31. Aaron Rodgers shaking off the rust from the week of week before against Seattle. What do you think between the competitive Rams and Packers? I think this is actually going to be a great game. If you look at this, you know, it's an even spread game. However, LA um, is traveling to Lambeau in this, you know, late November. Uh, and I think it's going to be cold. I think, you know, obviously there was um, some snow there before. So, you know, it's hard to bet against Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay uh, at Lambeau. But, you know, I really think the way that this LA Rams team is set up, um, you know, with Stafford there and then having Cooper cup. I mean, he's had an unbelievable season. Um, you know, the LA Rams are pretty healthy. Give me the LA Rams. You know, I know that they're coming off tight, a tough loss to San Francisco. I just think that that was you know, kind of a fluke, but you know, I think the Packers are, you know, I don't know. I just can see a, a little bit of a dud game by Aaron Rodgers, And I know that's very hard to say without looking like an idiot, but Hey, I'll take the Rams on this. Yeah, that's not a bad pick to make. I don't think, you know, you'd be arguing anyone, especially after last week. I mean, without Aaron Jones, we're learning that it it's all falling on Aaron Rodgers. And sometimes he's not able to hold on to that. But I think, as you said, L.A. traveling to Green Bay in late November, I think, is the big difference. I mean, you look at the NFC Divisional Round last year, the Packers at Lambeau disparaging the Rams. I think it happens again. Because as you said, L.A. going to Green Bay, it's going to be cold. You know, Aaron Donald, this Packers team knows how to limit Aaron Donald. 
that's the big thing right there is if he is taken out of the game, the Packers will definitely win this one. But I think Aaron Rodgers knows how to make those big plays and get uh, just a, a good game out of his guys. So I think the Packers are going to take this one at home. How about this as a kicker? I think Odell Beckham Jr. is going to have a huge game. I mean, that that's not a, that's not a bad pick because, I mean, you look at the game against Sanford. He's got a few weeks to work out. You know? Yeah, exactly. And they're incorporating him in their offense. So I think, you know, that's not a bad pick to make or a bad prediction to make that Odell Beckham will have a big game because you got to think all the attention is going to go to Cooper Cup or Tyler Higby or Van Jefferson, and that might open the door yeah, for OBJ. On the other side of the ball, too, I, I look at, Devontae Adams, but you're running against a very good LA Rams secondary. So I think they have more of an option of shutting down Adams with, you know, one or two people versus I, I think the LA Rams, their, their depth at wide receiver is, is just a lot better. So, you know, I think uh, we'll, we probably yield to, you know, the LA Rams winning this if they have the ability to shut down Adams and Rogers. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens though on uh, Sunday at 425 on Fox at Lambeau. As then we go to Minnesota and San Francisco, two five and five teams again battling for that wild card spot with how wide open that NFC is. The Vikings' big win against Green Bay last week. San Francisco coming off a couple slated games that have been very well for them. What do you think between the Vikings and the 49ers? Both five and five. I would say that their records are not an indication of how great a team they are. I think uh, Minnesota is a very good team. You know, if you're looking back, you know, they just beat Green Bay. They beat the Chargers. The 49ers, you know, are, are rolling, you know, with the wins that they've had. And you know, they beat the Rams as well. So I, I think this one's a tough one. I think the way that the 49ers are set to play is just a little bit better. Um, you know, because it's at San Fran. Um, yeah, I think I would lean on the Niners on this. Yeah, I think the big thing for San Francisco, though, is that if they can shut down Justin Jefferson, then they'll win this game. Because we saw last week against Green Bay, that connection from Kirk Cousins to Justin Jefferson was incredible. And then not only that, you have Adam Thielen, you have Dalvin Cook in the backfield. I think Minnesota, you know, it's one of those teams where you think they'd be better with all the weapons that they have. But San Francisco, you know, I'm going to keep saying it over and over, only a few years removed from the Super Bowl. And most of their weapons are back. And we're seeing, we saw in previous weeks that the return of George Kittle is the ultimate difference maker for not only Jimmy G, but for San Francisco. So that's why I think I'm going to agree with you and take the 49ers. Well, how, how about this stat for you? Uh, Debo Samuel nearly has a thousand yards already receiving. You know, yeah, he's that opens it up for everybody. Five touchdowns. So I think him paired with, you know, um, you know, Mitchell, I think it's a good option for Garoppolo. But, yeah, it'd be interesting. I think this is going to be a close game. Um, they have it as a three-point favorite for the Niners. But, yeah, give me the 49ers straight up. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens if uh, San Francisco can use those weapons, as you mentioned. As now we go to the Sunday night game, a little AFC North matchup between the Browns and the Ravens. Cleveland at 6-5, and five, just barely getting past Detroit last week. Meanwhile, the Ravens. Somehow, some way, beating Chicago without Lamar Jackson, without Marquise Brown, maybe they'll get all their weapons back. Hopefully, Lamar Jackson's back at the quarterback position. What do you see in this AFC North matchup? I think it's going to be tight. I am not a big fan of Baker Mayfield. I think he is average at best. Um, I think he makes a few plays. I mean, Nick Chubb is 
pretty good. But if you go to flip side, I think the Baltimore team is set up for a little bit more success. I think Lamar Jackson is truly a, like a Swiss army knife and he's shown his ability to start throwing the ball a little bit better. Um, yeah. Give me, I'll take the Ravens, especially with the Ravens being at home. I think that, you know, MT bank stadium, I think it's a tough place to play, you know, and again, this is a good rivalry game. I think, you know, if there were people who were going to argue that statement about Baker Mayfield being average is that he's been banged up this year. I mean, shoulder, knee, foot, you know, those are maybe some of the outs that people might use. But as you said, this isn't the Cleveland team of last year, though. Um, Nick Chubb, he's back, but he wasn't that effective against Detroit last week. And then they only won know, by three points. Exactly. Oh, uh, eight and one Detroit Lions. So, I mean, I don't know. I just think that after the 45 seven loss to New England, you know, it's yeah, they beat Cincinnati, but they lost to Pittsburgh. So, I mean if you're just going to throw these teams in front of me and then provide me like with their current win losses, it's just, a, it's an easy Baltimore answer. And I think it's a three point favorite to Baltimore, but I would bet that at like seven points. Yeah. That's I good. Think Baltimore is going to win by a touchdown. Maybe I think it's 10 points. I think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be a two touchdown game for Baltimore. I'll agree with you there. As then the last game on the week 12 slate is the Monday night matchup between Seattle and Washington. There's a lot of questions about Seattle after losing to Arizona and Colt McCoy last week. Meanwhile, Washington coming off a good slate of games, one of them including Tampa Bay winning. It just seems like Seattle's in a mess. I mean, three and seven, they're the second worst team record-wise in the NFC. Who would have thought that was Seattle? But what do you see between the Seahawks and the WFTs? Yeah, the NFC West division too. I mean, it's, it's a gauntlet. Um, I think you have some really good teams in there. So, I, I mean, it's tough to bet the Washington football team, but, you know, they did beat Tampa Bay. You know, they have a proven track record, you know, in some of these games where they've shown up. But again, are you betting on a team to show up? Are you picking who is more likely to show up? I think a three and seven Seattle team coming all the way to Washington, D.C. to play on a Monday night game. It's, you know, give me Washington at home. Yeah, I, th I think the, the big thing is that, you know, it's all on Russell Wilson. It's, you know, he had the finger injury, but you'd think, you know, maybe two weeks and they he would have been able to shake off any kind of rust. But we saw it last week against Arizona. They He was totally ineffective, you know. He couldn't find DK Metcalf. He couldn't find Tyler Lockett. They don't have a run game at all now with Chris Carson on IR. And plus, it's not the Legion of Boom defense. So that's why I think it's safe to pick Washington on this one. And Taylor Heineke is making himself a household name against Washington. He's not going to he's probably not going to stay there for a long time. But I think for what he's done for Washington in the time that he's been there has been incredible. One of one of the feel good stories. So that's why I'll and I feel like this season is a hot seat. You know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Pete Carroll at Seattle, because I think that that team with Russell Wilson, you know, they're not the leech in a boom. They have a, a few good offensive weapons. But, you know, again, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in Seattle, because, you know, we could always find a, another coach, a big name coach, move over to Seattle soon. I think exactly. Pete Carroll, I mean, some may say he has a job for life, what he's done there. But I mean, what was that? How many Super Bowls did they win? Just one. one. Just, Just one. One, um, one, one yeah. went to two. So we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens in the future for Seattle, but that wraps up our slate of NFL games. Pat, thanks for making those picks. And before we let you go, just want to ask you real quick, obviously I'll see you at the Thanksgiving table and we'll talk about what we're 
all thankful for, but what are some of the things that uh, you're thankful for on this Thanksgiving season? Oh man, I thought you were going to tell me what was my favorite food. Um, what I am thankful for, I'm thankful for. Well, you could include that too, if you wanted to. <laughs> uh, I would say, you know, health, uh, health and then family um, and friends. So, I mean, I think it's a good opportunity to kind of, you know, take a look at everything you have and kind of appreciate it. But then also at the same point, um, you know, get along and, you know, it's been an interesting couple of years with COVID. So I think, you know, having a more, uh, I'd say more as usual as it was before COVID, I think, you know, this Thanksgiving will be like, but yeah, if you're going to say food wise, I would say like, I love the Turkey, love the mashed potatoes, gravy stuffing and everything. My favorite part though. And I love setting it up where I eat at, you know, two o'clock, have some dessert at four or five. And then, you know, that eight o'clock game, that is prime time for the Thanksgiving sandwich. So it's the, uh, I would say the, the second plate or whatever, but I'm a big fan of having um, a little bit of a, a big sandwich later at night. So it's like a second sort of leftover kind of thing. A big leftovers is kind of what you're hinting at. Yeah, it's probably a six, six to eight pound swing day for me. <laughs> I go from heavyweight. Well, the good thing is, well, the good thing is you are in shape and you'll be able to work that off. I'll try. I'll try. How about you, Joe? (laughs) Um, What are you thankful for? uh, Obviously you being my brother, that's, that's a given. And, you know, basically the same thing, you know, health, family, friends, this podcast, obviously great. Um, You know, it's obviously been a different time uh, for all of us with uh, dealing with COVID, but it's nice to sort of get back to normal things. And I know we kind of we kind of had a normal Thanksgiving last year despite COVID, but you know, it it's still great to to be around, you know, the people that love you. So with that in mind, I say I got one Yeah, go I ahead. Have one more thing for you. I've had this question written down the whole time. You, okay, you've go. kind of gone over a lot of the key games. What is your favorite matchup in terms of best jerseys, helmets, this slate, right? You know, we can go through some of the Thanksgiving games and stuff. I, I know mine right away, just saying, like, what looks the best. You know, I think that Cowboys logo, you know, obviously America's team, you know, minus the Patriots being a dynasty, you know, that's the homer in me. But the Cowboys uniforms and the the Vegas uniforms, are, I mean, the old L.A. Raiders and, and Oakland Raiders, I think those are pretty two cool jerseys. So I'd ask you, out of all the games, like, what jerseys do you like? You know, what logos putting you I mean, on the that, spot here but. that's yeah that's a tough one i mean Ra- raiders and cowboys are a really good one i mean if we're going for like vintage or classic you know if the rams maybe had their old sort of like goldish instead of like bright yellow against the green of the packers then i would say yes but i think for the time being i mean you can't go wrong with the eagles and the giants i mean the the giants were in the blue and then the eagles were in the white um, I, I like that Jersey combo, you know, it's not going to be a good game, but I think Jersey wise, it, it's a great sight to see. Great to hear. Well, again, Joe, thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for the platform. Always enjoy uh, coming on here. So maybe I'll catch you in a few months. We'll do some NHL picks. That's a little bit, uh, the better speed for me, but yeah, thanks yeah. for the platform. Appreciate All right. It. Well, we'll see you then Patrick Sullivan. Thank you for making your picks. Good luck in week 12. Happy Thanksgiving, Joe. Thanks for having me.
thanks again to Pat Sullivan. Always great to have my brother on the podcast. As now we shift to the NBA. And last week I talked about some of the teams that have uh, surprising starts so far. I talked about the Wizards, the Hornets, and the Cavaliers. Well, the way things look right now, Washington, fourth place. Charlotte, fifth place. Cleveland, tenth place. So who knows if those... uh, Who knows if those are going to be true or not for what I said last week. But this week, I want to talk about the top three teams in each conference right now and really just figuring out how are they going to be able to keep their pace and if they're going to keep their pace. So I want to start with the best team in basketball right now. Okay, but there's still plenty of season to play. But I think the Warriors have established themselves. I mean, they've got the best record in basketball at 15 and two and Steph Curry is maybe playing the best basketball of his entire career. I mean, almost 28 and a half points per game, top 15 and assists. He's got the most three pointers made and attempted and just watching him on the court. I think in my opinion, he just feels more comfortable with the pieces around him. I think, you know, He's got Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole, Draymond Green. He's still waiting for James Wiseman and Clay Thompson. I just think he's, you know, he's he's more comfortable. I think he's he's got the confidence back. You know, this is a guy who is not shy on confidence and swagger and all that, of course, doing the shimmies after three-pointers and stuff like that. But I just think there's confidence back in the three-point shot because I think when he look when he's he looks at all the pieces he's got around him. Andrew Wiggins is a great second or third scoring option. You know, he's shown himself to really be a difference maker for the Warriors. And how about Jordan Poole? Jordan Poole. This was a guy who was making noise at Michigan, and now he's playing with Steph Curry. So he's just playing with, you know, guys who are just as good as him. And, you know, as much as I don't like, you know, Draymond Green, I just think, um, with Draymond Green is that, you know, he's so reliant on Stephen Curry. You know, we're seeing that he plays better with players who are better than him, obviously, when he's playing along with Steph Curry and Andrew Wiggins. I mean, when you've got Curry at 28, Wiggins at 19, Poole at 18 and a half, and then you also got Damon Lee coming off the bench, all the pieces, Bielitsa, Porter, Looney, Andre Iguodala. I mean, this this is a confident Golden State team who's still waiting for Klay Thompson, which we're now learning could be coming back soon because he just had his first full practice in almost two years. So we'll see what happens there. I didn't think they'd be this dominant. I mean, it has been a fairly light schedule for Golden State. I mean, they've played 17 games and six of them have been against teams above 500, but it's the 20-point-plus wins against Charlotte, Chicago, and Brooklyn that have really got me turning a corner on Golden State. Can they still be the number one team? Yeah, sure. But I don't think they're going to keep, you know, the 15 and two mark against them. I think, though, when you look at the teams behind them, like Phoenix, I mean, who's hotter right now than the Phoenix Suns? I'll give you an answer. Nobody. Nobody's hotter than the Phoenix Suns. 13 straight wins. And this was a team who many could say could take a step back. But this is no fluke. No fluke. This team started one and three, and now they've won. 13 straight okay they found the formula that works best on the end of the floor both offensively and defensively they're in the top 10 and I think Chris Paul has vastly improved defensively 
as he's now the second in the NBA in steals because we know what's going to happen with the scoring and the passing. I mean, he's the top guy in assists in the league right now at 10.3. I mean, no one has even close to 10 right now. But I think Phoenix, the big acquisition that I think is the most underrated is JaVale McGee. And I'll tell you why. JaVale McGee is not the sexiest name out there, but he's got the same skill set as DeAndre Ayton. So when you bring in McGee off the bench to replace Ayton, your offense and defense doesn't really have to change. You can keep them both in the paint. They are shot blockers. They're rebounders. They can catch lobs. You know, nothing has to change in that mark. I mean, that's a reason why you've seen McGee play in every single game this year is because he's got the same size, frame, skill set as DeAndre Ayton. So nothing has to change dramatically. That's why I think it's so huge to see Phoenix continue the way they are because you know you're getting scoring from Devin Booker. You know you're getting strong playoff bench from guys like Cameron Payne and uh, Landry Shamit off the bench who they acquired. You know you're going to get that. But when you're seeing the offense not really change as much and the defense not really change as much, that's the difference maker. That is the difference maker. That's why Phoenix, I think, is going to make a run for the championship once again. But the team in third place in the West are the Utah Jazz. Again, a team that many thought could take a step back, but look at what their team is doing when they're healthy, okay? Mike Conley, 14 a game. Donovan Mitchell, 24 a game. Bogdanovich, 17 a game. You got Jordan Clarkson averaging 15 off the bench. He hasn't even started one game this year. And not only that, but look at all the pieces that they added coming off their bench. You've got Hassan Whiteside who's a rim protector. Joe Ingles is coming off the bench. Eric Pascal is off the bench. This is a team that had to improve their second unit. Even Rudy Gay. I know he's only played in three games, but Rudy Gay, when he's healthy, can make a huge difference right now. I think Utah, again, similar to Phoenix, they're showing that they're not a fluke. You have basically the same pieces as last year, and then it's just about your opponents trying to stop them. I think Utah can make some noise in that Western Conference. But shifting from the West to the East, of course, the Brooklyn Nets are where they should be at 13-5 and and tops in the Eastern Conference. Now, I think it just took a couple of weeks or so for this offense and Steve Nash to really come up with a game plan that's not around Kyrie Irving. And I think, you know, whenever Kyrie Irving, if he comes back to Brooklyn, it's going to be that same thing. The Nets are going to struggle because they're trying to find a way to incorporate him. But Kevin Durant leading the league in scoring. James Harden, 21 points a game. Back to that being that second option, but he's being the facilitator. He's being the facilitator, and that helped Brooklyn succeed last year. I mean, he's got nine assists a game this year. And then you've got LaMarcus Aldridge, Patty Mills, um, Blake Griffin. DeAndre Bember, you're seeing all these guys, you know, I think they have a much better bench than they did last year. This is a much better bench combined with youth and experience. And that's the big difference maker for Brooklyn. I expect them to continue to be the number one seed in the East. But the Miami Heat and the Chicago Bulls are right behind them, both sitting with the records of 12 and six, only one game back. Now, in talking about Miami, I thought this was a team, again, that could make some noise and really be 
a good team. Obviously, Jimmy Butler is leading the way. And I said right after Miami re-signed Duncan Robinson, picked up Kyle Lowry, and got Markeith Morris and P.J. Tucker, is that Tyler Hero is the difference maker. And look what's happening. He's averaging 22 points, 22 points a game. And you know how many games he started? Four. Four games he started. So if Tyler Hero continues this pace along with Duncan Robinson shooting the ball, when Markeith Morris comes back, bringing the toughness down low, Bam Adebayo being that room-protecting center and catching the lobs, this is a team to be reckoned with, but only if Tyler Hero keeps up this pace. Maybe not 22 points a game kind of pace, but just any kind of pace where he is that offensive threat. And then meanwhile for Chicago, I said right when they picked up Lonzo and they picked up Caruso and DeRozan that this is a team to be reckoned with. And sure enough, look what's happening. DeMar DeRozan's back with 26 points a game. You got Lonzo Ball averaging four and a half assists. Nikola Vucevic, even out with COVID, he's still averaging 11 points. Alex Caruso coming off the bench. This Chicago team with more games under him, the more time that they play with each other, especially when you look at DeRozan and how comfortable he is, especially playing alongside Zach Levine, Vucevic Ball. You know, this is this is DeRozan revitalizing his career revitalizing because he was in San Antonio and he was basically kind of ignored. But I think Chicago is a good team. This is a good team. And I think every single team that I just talked about, you know, the, uh, the Warriors, the Suns, the Jazz, and then the Nets, uh, Bulls, and Heat, they're all going to be in the mix. They're all going to be in the mix. And I think, you know, once we hit April, they're going to be title contenders. They're going to be title contenders. But again, we're only at Thanksgiving. The NBA finals don't start till June. So there's a lot of things that can change in the NBA. Now, as I mentioned, this is the day before Thanksgiving that we're recording. And of course, everyone's going to have their thankfuls about being thankful for family, friends, health, et cetera, et cetera. But there's a lot of things in the sports world that I'm very thankful for. And I just like to take some time to acknowledge the things that are going on in sports that I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for all the parody in the NFL right now, okay? Because even though I talked about who I think are the favorites in the Super Bowl, there's no one team that's going to be the same for everyone. There's no team you can say is the clear-cut Super Bowl favorite, and I like seeing that. You know, it's kind of contrarian to say that because I support the Patriots and they're always in it every single time, but I like seeing parody, not just in the NFL, but in all sports. I'm thankful for all the parody that's going on in the NFL. I'm thankful for the franchises that continue to be a laughingstock and to give me a good chuckle, like the New York Jets, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Sacramento Kings, the Miami Marlins, the Baltimore Orioles. Way to keep up your spot in the sports world. Thank you for that. I'm thankful for the new stars that the sports world gave us. Guys like Shohei Otani, 
Ja Morant, Zach Levine, Fernando Tatis Jr., Vlad Guerrero Jr., Jonathan Taylor, and Cooper Cup, just to name a few. You always got to have a breakout star. And sure enough, they're going to get their names. Hopefully cemented in history soon. I'm thankful to see all those new stars. I'm thankful to see that Giannis Antetokounmpo has a championship now on his resume. This is a guy who's a revolutionary player where you look at him and say, that guy looks like he should have a championship ring. And sure enough, he does. Granted, Brooklyn was hurt and Philadelphia was got uh, upset and, my, and Atlanta was just young. But Giannis, he deserves that championship. I'm thankful to see that guy get a championship. I'm thankful that overhyped teams that capture so much media attention are struggling. Like the Los Angeles Lakers. Like the Dallas Cowboys. Like the New York Yankees. They garner so much media attention. Why? Because they make the most money. They create the most eyes. They get the most eyes watching on them. And what happens when they struggle? The sky is falling. The sky is falling. Listen, the Lakers haven't played with LeBron James for a quarter of their year. The Dallas Cowboys had a bunch of guys out because of COVID. The Yankees try to spend their way to a championship. Okay? Calm down. I'm just thankful that they can come back down to earth and not be so overhyped all the damn time. I'm thankful that the NHL is finally returning to prime time on ESPN and Turner Sports because the NHL is the most ignored big sport out of the big four. And they're getting well-deserved media coverage because, you know, it's not football. It's not basketball. It's not even baseball. But they're still getting media coverage, which makes me happy. And lastly, I'm thankful to be a Boston sports fan because let me tell you, so much success. So much success. And I'm only 24. Since I've been born, I've seen six Super Bowl wins. I've seen four World Series wins. I've seen a Stanley Cup. I've seen an NBA championship. And who knows what the revolution, I might even see an MLS championship come soon. But I'm just happy to see all the constant success because it is fun. It's lots of fun to to be a Boston sports fan because you support no matter how much they lose, they'll eventually get back to winning. You know it one way or another. Just look at the Patriots. 7-9 last year, that's only one bad year. And sure enough, back in the AFC East picture and back into the playoffs. It's fun. It's definitely a lot of fun. And that are the many things within the sports world that I'm thankful for. Speaking of Boston sports, let's move on to our Let's Get Local segment of the week. And as we're talking about the Pats now leading the AFC East, they've now won five straight games. Now, here's my cautious optimism about New England is that, yes, they're playing great and the defense looks so much better, but you have to look at the schedule that they've had, okay? They've beaten the Jets. They've beaten the Browns, the Chargers, the 
at the Atlanta Falcons. Okay. So these are, these are kind of fairly easy games. You have to remember, you know, you could say like the chargers were the only legitimate win right now. You have to see, but I mean, going back to the game in Atlanta last Thursday night, I mean, 25 to nothing, you know, the defense again, doing its part four interceptions, another pick six, only allowing 165 yards. I mean, this defense, if they can continue this, this pace is going to be the best defense in the league. It's going to be the best defense in the league just because of JC Jackson, Adrian Phillips, Devin McCourty, these ball hawking secondary, along with the defensive line getting the pressure. I mean, Matthew Judon is turning into a defensive player of the year candidate. You're seeing guys like Dante Hightower get back into the groove. Lawrence Guy, Dietrich Twise Jr. But it's offensively I've been the most impressed with. You know, it's been, it hasn't been all Mac Jones. I mean, four, only four incompletions last Thursday, 22 of 26, 207, a touchdown and a pick. But he's got a run game. He's got a two-headed monster. He's got Damian Harris and he's got Ramondre Stevenson. So I think this, this is sort of what I thought was going to happen was that it was going to be the pieces around Mac Jones who were going to create these victories. Because is Jones a great quarterback? Yes, he's the best rookie quarterback right now in the league and among all of the rookie quarterbacks that were taken. He's without a doubt the best. You know, the, the jury still remains to be out if he can do it for a very long time. And maybe he can't. Maybe he can't. But in terms of this season, the 2021-2022 season, it's been all about the pieces around Mac Jones, defensively and offensively, that are helping this team win. And really the biggest test, I think, to really see how legitimate this team is, is against the Titans. This is going to be against the number one team in the AFC. And like I said in our first segment, Tennessee has their flaws, and they showed it against Houston last week. But Bill Belichick is going to create a game plan where Ryan Tannehill is going to have to win the game for Tennessee. You're going to make your, your quarterback win. Because I think they can shut down the run. They can shut down the run with how much Tennessee has struggled there. You're going to see J.C. Jackson most likely cover A.J. Brown if he's healthy. If, if Brown can go, it's most likely going to be uh, J.C. Jackson. And again, forcing turnovers, forcing those interceptions by Tannehill, just like Houston did a week ago. The defensive line can shut down the run. They can definitely shut down the run. But it's going to be about making Ryan Tannehill. You know, you're going to have to make Ryan Tannehill beat you. And offensively, you know, Mac Jones, again, he's going to have to, you know, this is kind of similar to Atlanta. Just like take those shots in the middle of the field, but don't get greedy. Just don't get greedy with this defense because Tennessee's still great defensively. They're still great. There's a reason with they're the number one team in the AFC, even if they don't have Derrick Henry. Can the Patriots win this game? Of course they can. Of course they can. But it's going to be all about how much can the offense score? Because, I mean, only 25 points again in Atlanta. I mean, when you look at it, offensively aside from the pick six it was only 19 points 19 points against atlanta maybe one of the worst defenses in the entire league so it's gonna have to be a better performance offensively and hopefully mac jones can carry them and because right now i think they're without a doubt a playoff team without a doubt you know regardless of what things happen but you see what's left on the schedule you've got this game against tennessee at home then Buffalo, then Indy, then Buffalo again, 
than Miami, than Jacksonville. Okay. The next three or four weeks are not going to be easy. They're not going to be easy. So if you see an opportunity to get off a win, you got to do it. And I think Tennessee might be your best chance at a win with how much they've struggled. But a team that continues to win just like the Patriots are the Boston Celtics, as they are now 10 and 8. They're turning the corner once again after they've won their third straight win. Tonight, they've got the Brooklyn Nets, which is going to be a big test to see how, how much have they improved. Because I think in the last couple of games, Jason Tatum's got his groove. Okay. He's got his groove back. And obviously, Jalen Brown, he's been playing without Jalen Brown, who's had the hamstring injury. But when Brown starts to get those more consistent minutes and that hamstring injury isn't nagging him anymore, he's got to learn to balance it out, okay? Because so far in the last four games, 34, 37, 33, and 30 consecutively, okay? How does he balance that out with Jalen Brown? Is he going to have to go back to 27 or 25? Maybe Jalen Brown has a better game. You have to turn to him instead of Tatum. But I think offensively, Dennis Schroeder needs to be involved more, okay? He's the leader of this second unit. He's going to be your sixth man, okay? I expect this team to probably have a small ball lineup late in games when you have Schroeder, Smart, Brown, Tatum, and maybe Horford or Williams on the floor, okay? But this is the leader of the second unit. Look at what Schroeder did in Brown's absence. He scored 23 points a game while he was starting for Jalen Brown. This is a guy who's trying to show he's worth a big-time contract. And who knows if he gets that from the Celtics or not when, when the time comes. But for the here and now, Dennis Schroeder needs to be involved in the offense. He's got to get more offensive opportunities. And I think the second unit, you know, Ime Odoka is really finding – he's finding the guys that work best off of the bench. You've got Schroeder. Josh Richardson, Grant Williams, I've been very surprised with. Very surprised by Grant Williams. You saw Ennis Cancer for a few games, you know. Maybe you got to see more Langford or Neesmith, you know. I think for Udoka, it's, it's going to have to be about finding that second unit that works best. So, you know, look at the game against, uh, I believe it was Atlanta, or maybe it was Oklahoma City. It was Oklahoma City. They were up by like 20, and sure enough, the bench comes in. They almost blow the lead. You have to get your starters back in. So it's going to be about off the bench, who's going to give you that energy. That's going to be the biggest difference for this Celtics team. But we'll have to see what they do against Brooklyn. Am I going to expect a win? Probably not. But the way this season has turned around, now they're 10-8, and eight, currently sitting in sixth place in the East. I think this is exactly where they'll end up. But we will just have to see what happens. We'll have to see what happens in the Celtics. And then lastly, for the other team playing in the Garden, the Boston Bruins, I haven't talked about them as much just because they don't play as much. That's the biggest problem is that they don't play. You know, they had a game on Saturday and then the next time they played was Sunday or something like that. You know, they had a whole like six days off, but for what I've seen, I think energy wise, this game can be better. Okay. You know, not relying so heavily on Pasternak and Marshan and Bergeron, just finding the right pairings is what, coach Bruce Cassidy is trying to do, you know, just really briefly, you know, I'll probably talk about them more when they have more games, but they've only played 15 games so far. So it's really hard to make a judgment on that team just yet. You know, maybe we'll probably talk more and more about them when they start playing two or three games a week instead of, you know, one and having like a five or six day layoff. 
So just to all of you who are wondering, hey, where's all the Bruins talk? That's why. It's because they haven't played as much. But you know, with the, the weather getting colder in New England, the action in New England will surely be heating up. to finish the show as we always do we look at our lol moment of the week and this one is going to an actor you know normally this goes to an athlete for their their lol moment but this is all about an actor who got involved in the sports world and definitely made a lot of people laugh so this week's lol moment of the week goes to kevin hart the actor and comedian so basically all of what he's getting involved in is to promote his Netflix series, True Story, which is a very serious. No, it's different from the actor comedian. This is very serious. But he was very involved in the NFL during week 11 last week. You saw him on the field at the Eagles game when they played the Saints. You saw him on the Manning cast on Monday. And let me tell you, hilarity ensued, as it always should with Kevin Hart. I mean, he just had some really funny moments showing up on NFL countdown on ESPN NFL game day morning. I mean, the funniest thing, one of the funniest things, I mean, it started on ESPN NFL countdown when he was asked about the Cowboys. I think it was Matt Hasselback or Tim Hasselback who said, how about them Cowboys? And how does Kevin Hart respond? He say, why don't you ask me about the toilet tissue in my house about the Cowboys? And sure enough, the whole the whole crew, the whole set starts laughing because Kevin Hart is just that quick with funny little quips like that. I mean, that that was very funny. And then he was also asked to break down Nick Sirianni's uh, press conference talking about, you know, I think Sirianni was relating it to like roots or whatever and flowers. And Kevin Hart had the greatest advice to say, all you got to do is when you're that's that's a point where where you're lost and all you got to do is smack the table and say bottom line our team's going to be ready to play and as he was signing off he did the exact same thing he's like the eagles are just like dirt and sure enough smacks the table being like bottom line and everyone starts laughing but then of course the viral moment came on nfl game day morning on the nfl network he was doing the interview sure enough the saints come out and he interrupts his response to boo the saints coming out and he's like, get your ass out of there. And he's just saying, my fans, my fans want me to want me to do it, want me to do it. So Kevin Hart, again, making people laugh. And then lastly, he showed up on the MNF uh, Monday Night Football telecast with the Manning brothers. And let me tell you, he is he just the way he went after Peyton and Eli just questioning their brotherhood. He's saying like, cause if you did, if you did like each other, you'd be sitting next to each other in the room. And then, you know, explaining the Eli face saying like, you know, you, you look at that face, like someone fought it or something like that. You know, you, you know, you're there, but you just got to let it go. Just Kevin Hart is a very funny guy, very funny comedian. He's just, he's one of my favorites. I love watching his movies, his stand up specials. So when I saw that he was on the field, when he was on these, you know, pre-games and during the games, I knew I had to click onto it. So Kevin Hart, for being just your natural self, 
getting yourself once again into the sports world has landed you onto this week's LOL moment of the week. So that'll wrap it up for another edition of Let Me Speak. Thank you, everyone, again for tuning in. If you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, watching us on YouTube, I want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving with your friends and your family. And always, make sure you follow our pages on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All you got to do is search Let Me Speak Podcast. And remember, as always, when you've got a point you got to get across, especially at the Thanksgiving dinner table, Just let everybody know, shut up and let me speak.